Hey, Mark, it's Dean Haglin from Chopek Hollywood Hour. How you doing? Also, Dean Haglin, designer of the Succotash logo that you can get on T-shirts and my coffee mug, which I enjoy so much. Thank you very much. Hey, listen to episode 54, and uh, yes, your screw-up is my game. That's fantastic. Uh, so apology accepted, and uh, we're all good. So I think uh, we uh, can just uh, stop this back and forth, maybe. Or not. Just keep it going. How long could it last? And ladies and gentlemen, this is Mark Hershaw with Suckatash, a comedy podcast podcast. Hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Yes, I am Mark Hershon, and thank you both, Bill Haywatt and Dean Haglin from the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour podcast. That little opening snippet was in response, as you maybe could tell, to my escalating our back-and-forth comments between Dean, his heterosexual life partner Phil Larinus, and me. Sounds like they are trying to get the last word in, but by virtue of the fact I just played their last word on this show, I think it's still on, right? You know what? Maybe they're not even talking about me over there on Chill Pack, which is kind of sad. It's sort of like the San Francisco-LA City rivalry, which doesn't even exist. It's just San Francisco people thinking that L.A. sucks. The L.A. people like San Francisco just fine. Anyway, never you mind. This is just between me and those guys. You are cordially welcome to Epi 55 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. We are just about at the two-year mark that we've been doing this show. It's this month sometime. Maybe I will do another rambling discourse, like I did a couple of episodes and a half ago for our two-year anniversary episode. Something was pissing me off the other day about podcasts. That would be good to talk about. What the heck was it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's this tendency that some podcasts are falling into now where all they talk about is the fact they're podcasting. And they get into the minutia of being podcasters instead of sticking to the subject matter of entertaining people. It's... uh it's kind of pissing me off. Maybe I'll do something about that. Anyway, I am going on a road trip later this week with friends of Succotash Dana Carvey and Larry Bubbles Brown. Dana and Larry are playing at the Criterion Theater in Medford, Oregon this Friday night, April 5th. And then the next night on Saturday, they'll be at the Cascade Theater in Redding, California. Larry's opening for Dana, and I'm driving them so we can shoot some footage for a documentary and do a Succotash episode on the road. Maybe I'll introduce them on stage or something, too. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going along for the ride. It should be fun. And, in fact, I'm driving a lot of it, so that'll be interesting. Uh, this show, Epi 55, features a few clips from comedy podcasts, but the bulk of the show is an interview. I guess it was an interview with the very funny Andy Kindler. The reason I'm waffling on it being an interview is that it was after a show at the uh, 142 Throckmorton Theater here in Mill Valley, California, in a restaurant, and there were several other comedians who kept jumping in at the table. And uh, it's, uh, well, you'll, you'll get to hear it. But before we get to any of that stuff, the clips, the interview, let's quickly take a peek at the 10 most active in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast list. These aren't the top 10 shows. 
They're the ones that have seen the most movement, up or down, on the Stitcher charts, the comedy charts, that is, starting with their current position on the chart this week, then the name of the show, and then the number of slots that it moved. All right, so here we go. Actually, in the top 10 at number 10, by the way, in conversation with Jeff Garland, up 54 places. At 29, Scarborough Country, up 17. At 48, the Paul F. Tomcast, up 63, which means Paul Tompkins must have actually finally released another podcast. Good for him. At 53, the Phil Hendry podcast is up 19. At 58, the Tenderloins podcast, up 86 places. At 80, the Ricky Gervais show is up 30, which means he must have done something new. He rarely puts anything out these days, podcast-wise. He's so busy doing other stuff. At 81 is a show called Dennis Has a Podcast. That is down 26. At 95, Frangella's Idiot of the Week podcast, up 39. At 96, News Pop Comedy, up 32. And right there, hanging on the edge at number 100, the Work Sucks podcast, up 30 places. So that's it for the 10 most active in the Stitcher Top 100 comedy podcast list. Hi, my name is Mike Celestino, and I'm the director of an upcoming documentary about controversy in comedy called That's Not Funny, and it's currently funding on Kickstarter. You're listening to Succotash. Succotash just kicked 50 bucks into the kitty over on Kickstarter for that amazing-looking documentary, which is called That's Not Funny. The filmmaker, Mike Celestino, who you just heard there, uh, has been talking to an amazing array of comics about what happens when comedy rubs people the wrong way. His Kickstarter campaign has about 30 days to go, so get on up there and search for That's Not Funny. There's also a link on the Succotash Show blog at SuccotashShow.com, and I will have Mike on next episode of Succotash to talk about his movie. So definitely check out That's Not Funny over on Kickstarter.com. If you're looking for that hot new look for spring, we have a new design in the Succotashery. That's right, I'm calling it the Succotash Equation. It's all the basic component parts of Succotash, lima beans, corn, and a pot, all adding together. On some of the stuff, it's just the equation. On other items, you also get the classic Succotash logo on the other side for people who can't do the math. Click on through to the Succotashery by going to SuccotashShow.com and finding the t-shirt in the right-hand column. Hello, you lovely, lovely people. My name is Mr. Davian Bent from the Bitter Sound podcast. Yes, that's right. The Bitter Sound, available on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. And it gives me great pleasure to say, you groovy fuckers, you are listening to Succotash. Clips, anyone? Yes, we do have some comedy podcast clips this show. We are, after all, the Comedy Podcast Podcast. Could hardly have that claim if we didn't play clips. But we don't have a whole lot of clips this show because of the Andy Kindler interview. Three of the clips that we do have this episode have been sent to us. The fourth, we've chased down ourselves. Because there are just a few, we're going to get into them now, and then we'll get to the interview with Andy Kindler. Uh, not to, the Andy Kindler, by the way. Not to be mistaken with that Andy Kindler and Andy Kindler or those Andy Kindlers. All right, let's start with clips that our friends in podcasting have submitted. First up is a slice off the ragged end of The Robin Joe Show. Sent in by their producer, Robbie Robinson, who says, Happy Easter, and I hope all is well. I have a new clip for you, a very funny story that Joe reluctantly told on last week's show. There are no four-letter words, but it's a little blue nevertheless. Maybe it will work for you. Thanks, Robbie. I don't know that it works for me, but maybe it will work for our listeners. 
or not. Anyway, you cut it. Here's Robin Joe. Is it not okay to prefer a race? For example, if you like blondes rather than brunettes, that's the same thing. There are physical features right. that black women have in common and white women have in common. You're not allowed to be attracted to a certain race. There's I guess this- that's a definition of racism, but I definitely am attracted to a certain type of woman. White women. I mean, I, I've never <laughs> really dated a black woman, but I find some black women attractive. But I would say, in general, I'm more attracted to white women. You have a story about a black woman. I do. I can't tell it here, but <laughs> I, I don't do have one. I can't tell it. <laughs> do you want me to tell it? I think you should tell it. I know. Oh, my gosh. I think my stepmother is listening right now, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Okay. So I can't believe I'm going to tell the story. This isn't racism. This is just what happened. You know, the more you say it's not racism, it makes people think it's racism. Okay. Rob, YouTube clip. Get ready. I was working at the shoe store. I had just gotten out of college. It's probably like around 1992. It's probably 21 years ago. And I worked with this girl. I remember her name was Melissa. And I was single. And she was single. And after we got off work, I'm like, hey, you want to go get a drink? Now, at the time, there was a bar called Secrets in the Ramada by the Annapolis Mall. We go over there. We have a couple of drinks. And, of course, now it's the end of the night. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to make my move. Patented Joe Robinson move. Right. So I go in. She's receptive. So I'm like, you want to come back to my house? Now, my house is my parents' house. I don't live on my own. So I have to bring this girl back about 20 minutes away to my parents' house or whatever might happen. This is a black girl, correct? Yeah, it is. Sorry, I didn't say that. I thought that was Make the whole that clear. Story. We come all the way back. My oldest sister, she's up. And I'm like, I don't want to bring a girl, not a black girl, but I don't want to bring a girl <laughs> into the house and be like, hey, I have this girl here, blah, blah, blah. By the way, we drove separately. She follows me. Now we're out in front of my house. We get in my Tercel. I don't really know what I said at the time. I'm sure it was offensive. I don't want to be seen with you. Right. But I'm like, we really can't go in. So whatever we're going to do, we start doing in the car. Your car. In the Tercel. Right. I have whatever I need in order to accomplish whatever I'm trying to accomplish. I have it in the car with me. And the whole shebang happens in the car out in front of the house. Your first experience with a black woman? It is. That's correct. By the way, I'm already not that good. Now I'm out in a car in a small area. I'm as white as I can be. Head to toe. He drove 20 miles to have sex in a car. In right, house. right. Well, that wasn't my intention, but that's what ended up happening. <laughs> so we're done. She gets back in her car. Good night. I go inside. I go to bed, whatever. The next morning, I go out to my car. I open up the door, and the smell in my car <laughs> is so intense and so disgusting. Literally, I'm driving with the window down, and I'm telling you right now, when I sold that car, Three years later, the smell was still in there. It never, the smell never left that car. <laughs> Did you blame her? Is that what you're saying? Of course it was her. It Maybe it was the combination of the two of you. <laughs> I've never experienced that before, but that's what happened. Maybe some things aren't meant to go together. Maybe. Maybe that's why there's segregation. Maybe that's why it existed. Did that turn you off against black women? Um, Yeah. That was my first <laughs> oh period. Now, I don't think that that's indicative of all black women, but I wouldn't know. Of course it isn't. It's indicative of girls that will drive 20 miles to have sex in your car. <laughs> yeah, that's the I, kind of girl that does that, is, is the kind of girl that leaves that sort of voter. I wonder what her version of that story is. Now, that would be a great booking, Robbie. 
I wish I could find her and have her on. I don't remember her last name. And Big so now, in chat says, I'll bet Halle Berry doesn't leave that smell. That's probably true. I don't think I'm going to be able to land her in the Tercel, but No. That's a taste of the Robin Joe Show coming to you live every Monday night at robinjoeshow.com at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time and thereafter on their home site, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Same as us. You can find us there, too. Suck dash up on Stitcher right now. Next up is our buddy Charlie Miller from the Random Variety Show podcast. Now, normally I don't really play promos, but Charlie bookended his clip with just about the right amount of setup and plugage that, you know what, I'm just going to let it roll. Take it away, Charlie. Hello, Mark and Succotash listeners. This is Charlie from the Random Variety Show podcast. In Season 2, Episode 6 of my show, fans and friends on Facebook got together and sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph, put together a story. And I took all that text, recorded it, put some sound effects to it, some music to it, and came up with this. Once upon a time, there was a young man named Philip. He was a very proud member of a distinguished family. The family was famous for their silk scarf-making company. Their scarves were so famous due to the special left-handed silkworms that spun the silk to make them. But the trouble with left-handed silkworms is that they have to use special left-handed knitting needles and, wouldn't you know it, the leftorium was fresh out of them. Why? Philip knew that if the family's precious left-handed silkworms couldn't get their special tiny left-handed knitting needles, the scarf-making business would falter. The worms had tried the regular knitting needles, but kept spraining their tiny wrists. There just had to be somewhere to get those left-handed needles, other than the always out-of-stock leftorium. Why? But where? Philip would need some serious brain power to solve this riddle, knowing that left-handed people are the only people in their right mind. Philip sought the advice of the most powerful lefty in the world, Barack Obama. Huh? This created quite a conundrum for even the highly accomplished Barack, as he came to terms with the fact that even if the right-handed knitting needles were modified for the perplexed silkworms, they would still present the problem of only producing right-handed silk. Oh, no! Furthering the complexity of the issue for the commander-in-chief, he could actually purchase the correct knitting needles online through a custom-order website, but the needles themselves would be manufactured in... Kambul, Afghanistan. Also, the president felt that the issue of not paying taxes for the product online as it was an out-of-state purchase might send the wrong signal to any young, idealistic American silkworms who were especially interested in this issue. Unfortunately, the worms couldn't see, therefore, unable to realize that wormish behavior not only poisons the left and the right, but the up and down and the in-between, resulting in the death of a grove.
So that's a little taste of the Facebook story adventure that was created. Go back to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or randomvarietyshow.com and listen to Season 2, Episode 6, for the rest of the story. Thanks, Mark, Bill, Kenny, and Joe. This is Charlie Miller saying, remember to pass the succotash. Boy, that saved me a whole lot of work. By the way, I will be appearing as a guest sometime this month on Charlie's Random Variety Show podcast, interviewed by Groucho Marx. I cannot wait for that. This is Groucho Marx from the Random Variety Show podcast, and you're listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. Do I have to say it both times? Now, here's the one clip this week we managed to scrape up for ourselves. It's from the Todd and Tyler Radio Empire. They have been cranking on air since 1993 out of KEZO in Omaha, Nebraska. Now, Todd and Tyler, uh, their radio empire is syndicated in a number of stations on the Internet, and their show has, as so many other radio shows have, become podcasted. Even with all that coverage, I am a little embarrassed to say I have never heard of Todd Brandt and Mike Tyler until I read last episode's The 10 Most Active in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. That's when TNT rocketed into the Top 100, landing at number 73 and climbing an incredible 306 places in one week. Now, I don't know what they did on their show last week to warrant that. Hell, maybe they killed a guy in the air. Whatever it was, their name caught my attention, and I said I would track down a clip. So, here it is. Jeremy, you when you're out, you, you do the club <laughs> situation, so you're going to meet girls at the bar right when you get off stage. And I realize you've been doing it a while, but I've always asked comedians this. I mean, it's like, tell me something funny. When are, you, when are you funny all the time? I mean, how do, you, how do you sift through girls you actually might be interested in in that situation? Are, that, you, are you just so bored with it at this point? No, well, I mean, that phrase specifically is just, oh, we got to do another show. Oh, well, got it. If they say, tell me something yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Then yeah. That, um, okay, I got, the, I mean, I got softball the, practice. Yeah, basically. exactly. That's my <laughs> softball practice. Yeah. Well, that's, but that was the last show of the night. Uh, it's another bar somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. While also, you work a lot sure yeah leave that <laughs> um that that saying alone is a turnoff yeah, right of yeah. course it is yeah. tell me something funny or i got a joke for you oh yes that would also be another especially if it follows by a really really racist joke right, right after that right i no, i i don't know i, I mean, it's a tough because you because some girls are not going to approach you at a club because they're going to think well everybody approaches you and they are wrong. <laughs> but they're going to think yeah. that, well, I can't walk up and say I, I like him because some other girl thinks, and they're shy, you were just on There's stage. There's still yeah. that perception. You're yeah. a star. Everybody wants you. I'm not even going to bother. Right. Yeah, that's, wow, that's off. Oh, but... you weren't that funny. <laughs> you get that? You get that? I don't think you're that funny. Um, <laughs> Shut up. I know. I mean, I, I pretty much no one I've, I think I've met at a club with the exception of like a waitress who works there. And like, that's different because they're they have a whole different perspective yeah. waitresses do. Yeah. yeah. I you mean, know, Todd's daughter works at a club here. Yeah, she's, stay away from she's that. She's not here this weekend. No, though. she's gone. Yeah. yeah because yeah. I heard about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you get out of town and we can have Jeremy comes. That's Everybody what usually about happens. softball practice. <laughs> yeah, move on, honey. He said he's got softball. <laughs> So you're uh, you you leaving even yourself open for that stuff at all? I guess you, you got to be open. Yeah, I mean it's it's just I don't at this point. Yeah, at this point it's just meh, whatever, whatever, exactly. Yeah, and that's and I mean that's not to be uh, caustic or whatever, no. but it's just you're assuming it's not a good. It's I not tend happen. to date. Yeah, I right. mean, most of the girls I date anyways are like the weirdo punk chicks. Got it. Anyways, all right, all right cool. With, you know, as we talked about yesterday, the weird hair and yeah, okay, that's cool. Pills. <laughs> uh, and pills. <laughs> okay. And pills. 
<laughs> See, Tyler and I were fortunate when we met our wives. I think they were aware of who we were, but didn't really listen to the show. They didn't listen. Weren't right, necessarily no. fans no, of the show, and I think all. it would have been difficult to date a fan of the show. Well, that's yeah. And because, that's you not, know, once yeah. they got to know us, they would quickly not become fans of the show. <laughs> you're not funny anywhere. <laughs> well, you stop talking about me. You know, <laughs> when you're going to become fodder mm. on the air. I'm oh, sure yeah, a lot I, of a, I dated a few of those people, and I hated that crap. Right. They'd call me and say, why'd you say that? I'd say, hey, it's my job. Shut up. Right. You know, I got softball. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. It is a great line. We're all going to use that now. Yeah, there's there's just a run nationwide on guys buying softball bats. Like, That's a good idea. I need. I love he's putting cleats on. He'd grabbing his mitt like it was just laying around. Swedes is suddenly endorsed by Easton. <laughs> Now, I'm not sure what happened, but this week, Todd and Tyler tumbled back out of the top 100. Sorry, boys. Not sure where they ended up on the list, other than the fact that for one brief shining moment, the Todd and Tyler Radio Empire was right here on Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. You can find out more for yourself at their home site, tntradioempire.com. They're also on a pile of radio affiliates scattered across the country, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. The last clip we have uh, was also sent in. Mark Bland of the Q Show podcast sent me a sample of his show, which originates from the middle of the U.S. in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, I don't know very much about the show, so here's a description off the home site. The Q, hosted by Mark Bland, is about everything and is liberal-slash-moderate radio for people with a brain. The Q, is that a question? Well, actually, think of it like this. It is whatever you want it to be. And also, it has some meaning. The queue is a question. It's also a reference to downloading in the computer age where things are queued. Now it's time for you to get queued. Each week, Mark discusses interesting entertainment and worldwide topics that will make you think and question. Opinionated stuff? Sure. The beauty is you get to tell us what you think. Let's give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is big news. That's all bad news. Yeah, that is not bad. Okay, listen. I understand America. I understand Jack Swagger and Zeb Coulter. I understand you're going to take our guns. You're going to hate her and America. And I love my Confederate flag. The shots shall rise again. Don't take my Second Amendment. Listen, you morons down there south of the Mason-Dixon line who are voting for guys like Mitt Romney and everybody, okay? Let me tell you something right now. You guys are... Um, uh, how can I say this properly? You guys are uh, are idiots, and you're worried about the wrong thing. You're worried about there going to be some problems in the United States with that black president. Ladies and gentlemen, we thought when King John Il, and I said this on the last show, when we thought Kim John Il passed away, died, we thought his son was going to take over, growing up in a more westernized culture, of wearing, you know, Houston Rockets basketball jerseys and things like that, that this kid was a little bit more understanding to how the world was in 2010, 11, 12, 13. Now, okay? Mm. This kid doesn't change the game for that country. He literally will launch rockets. So while you're down there with your bush light in your hand, you're really worried hey. about whether to say, listen, you're worried about whether or your PBR. I don't care. I don't care. Hey. You're worried about Listen, you're worried you're you're watered down bush light by the way. Budweiser. Uh Budweiser in Bev watered down. 
Okay, you're down there. You're worried about if Junior's going to win some NASCAR this weekend. You're worried about the black president taking your guns. You're worried about all these people that have changed the way the United States looks. Brother, there is a 20-year-old kid over in freaking North Korea who's got his finger on a red button. And he has the ability to launch a nuclear warhead. And guess what? This is the way this works. He's all the way over by Asia. Nowhere close to this country at all. He'll hit the button and not even think twice about your landmass because he never sees it. It doesn't exist to him. It's just that other place that talks a lot of crap all the time to him. So he'll hit the button and wipe out your loved ones while you're worried about guns and drinking too much. He's going to wipe out your entire freaking town, your entire freaking state. He's going to take down your entire country, and you won't even have a constitution at that point. You're worried about Second Amendment rights? You ain't even going to have a Second Amendment. The original constitution that was written will be incinerated in 13 milliseconds. This is scary stuff. I'm serious, man. I'm not just some conspiracy theorist. This guy is nuts. Is he really 20 years old? He's in his 20s. Like Jeez. either mid, mid to late 20s or if I'm worst case scenario, early 30s. Worst case scenario, early 30s. So there's a sample tidbit from Mark Bland's The Q Show. Catch more online at theqnow.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. All right. I want to get into the Andy Kindler interview, only it really isn't an interview. It was a it was a nosh after the Tuesday night show at the 142 Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley. There's a lot of ambient noise, so apologies for that. Also a lot of specific noise as well in the form of fellow comedians Larry Bubbles Brown, Mark Pitta, and Bob Rubin. So rather than get to an in-depth interview with a very funny Andy Kindler, so rather than get into an in-depth interview with a very funny Andy Kindler, what you're going to hear is more of a, an inside glimpse of comics just hanging around and cutting up after a show. I myself will cut in partway through to play a little tweet sack, and then we'll do the second part of the non-interview with Andy Kindler. Thank I'm you. ready whenever you want. Sure. I'm just going to... Uh, is, that, is that mean we're starting? This is... I'm just going to record on both these things. I'll cut it. Beautiful. What is this thing? A pad? iPad? Larry, I'm going to keep saying Larry Bubbles Brown so that when he chimes in, people know what's happening. Sure. Uh, So I'm uh, sitting at a rather crowded area of uh, D'Angelo's restaurant with Andy Kindler. We're at Sardi's. Very rowdy. (laughs) We have uh, Larry Bubbles Brown and Larry. What's your last name? Brown? Burger and Larry Burger. I won't stay long. It's counting down like a bomb. <laughs> uh, Bob Rubin may, uh, may pop Bob Rubin may make an appearance. Mark Pitta might show up. You never know who's going to drop in. That's right. It's a good podcast, especially when they're at a uh, table nearby. Which is why it's appropriately called Suck Attack. You see, you is just... that the name? Well, here's the thing. I want to both do the podcast and keep Larry Bubbles Brown entertained. Uh, that's my goal. Let's try it. He's my hero. <laughs> there ain't no such animal. <laughs> Uh, Andy, thank you for sitting down with me and all these other people. Uh, yeah, that's the only way I'll do podcasts is if I can <laughs> if I can put it in like I do it a lot on my summer vacations. <laughs> a lot of ambient noise. I take violin lessons. I do it during then. And the third thing that would be good. What would be funny? Uh, now this is your first time you played the rock. No, it is not the first. Oh, someone hasn't done their homework. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, oh, great. That you told me that you knew what was happening in my career. Uh, well, 
I mean, to find out what's happening in my career takes a, a surveyor, an uh, anthropologist, a comedy historian, DNA expert, DNA expert a pathologist, and someone, someone who specializes in middle. Uh, no, this is my second time. I was here with Blake Clark. Oh, okay. Uh, on a Saturday night. This device that you have, which is like a menu and a recording device, <laughs> yes. is unbelievable. You can also swipe your credit card through there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have right. a chicken cantatory. I'd like to pay for my uh, my Zap, Zappo shoes. And uh, I'd like to record something. You mean business. You This... Recording devices. What was it? Designed by Carrot Top. <laughs> what is it? I like how you keep refer, uh, deferring to Larry. I refer if I could, <laughs> if I could convince Larry, if there was money in it, uh, to have Larry, if I could pay Larry to sit, Larry <laughs> called to me. There's two Larrys. There's Larry Burger. He's very yes. quiet though. Only I hadn't given up. <laughs> yeah, but that was 12 years ago. Don't live in the yeah. past. Live in the past. What, what? How else will I be comfortable? No, it wasn't funny. But a lot of times I say things that aren't funny. But I have. I have, at least I have. I add some zets to it. I'll add. Uh, we were just doing earlier Facebook uh, sexual innuendo. Yes. Yeah. I'll go to your home page. <laughs> I'll oh. return your poke. Yeah. Did you see the the Facebook movie? Yes. That was exciting. Oh, yeah. Gripping. Gripping. He goes, up. He goes, guys, I just came up with it. I'm calling it The Wall. Spoiler alert, he wins the lawsuit. Yeah, spoiler alert. He wins the lawsuit. What is this guy, the Winklevoss twins? Wait a minute, are you recording? We're on recording. I'd like to wiggle your boss. Exactly. Wiggle <laughs> <Eagle> boss. <laughs> that was Marpetta, and he's the reason why I'm here tonight. He's the reason we're all For here. For better or worse. <laughs> so, my second time with the Throckmorton. Second time. First time on the Succotash pilot. Pilot? We well, hopefully it gets, becomes a podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but I thought a Succotash was collections of other people's really good podcasts. This is a, you're taking a big step. This is an interview. I, I deviate. I play interviews too. Uh, I mean, deviate. deviates like a septum. <laughs> <laughs> he says, this guy says this is a new podcast. And he's like, uh, all of a sudden he's, uh, you know, boom, boom, Bobby Bing Bang. Bing Bang Boom. Bobby Bing Bang Boom. <laughs> Favorite joke of Larry Bubbles Brown: If you bounce a check on a hooker, is that rape? Oh my God, that is good. Oh man, see, so this is not going to be as advertising interview with Andy Kimmel. No, no, I'm here. No, no, I know. I was born in Queens, New York. (laughs) At an early age, I was the class clown. Literally, I wore big red shoes. Might be closer. No, it's no, no, it's good. What are you? All of a sudden, we've got uh, we got Phil Spector here before the murder, of course. Before the murder, it's a wall of sound. Well, there's, as we say that, Ronnie Spector has walked in the room. Oh, well, like the he topped out with the wall of lead. 
<laughs> is that what he said that night? Yeah, I'm at a wall. It was like a wall. Oh, 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 man. Why did that woman shoot herself with the gun? Is all I want to know. <laughs> is that case been decided? I would hate to be sued by the prison in jail, specter. Yeah. He's behind bars, and Al Pacino is also behind bars just for research. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? Uh, not to change subjects, as if we're on a subject. Did you hear that James Franco was is in, he's like one of those guys who pretends to be in character all the time? Oh jeez, so he must have been great as Oz. Uh, I heard that Jim Carrey on the set of uh, of the Andy Kaufman movie was a pale imitation of Andy Kaufman all the time. <laughs> he was a terror. You couldn't if you talked to him upstage. He goes, "I'm still doing a terrible imitation of Andy Kaufman. I'm not Jim Carrey." <laughs> I'm. I always felt that Andy Kaufman, similar to Andy Kaufman, with the humor removed. <laughs> Who felt that Andy Kaufman's facial expressions weren't elastic enough? <laughs> I do only. So you like the film? Oh, um, I uh, only do material about twenty-year-old uh, movies. <laughs> What's this thing, the big chill? About? <laughs> You had a few comments about Dane Cook today. I know. You can't handle the truth, Andy. <laughs> you can't, right. Add a cup. You're an, um, office, you're an officer and a gentleman. Today's the luckiest, I feel like the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That was uh, Lou Gehrig before his last set. <laughs> what? Um, well, oh, yeah. I do, I do feel like less people know who Dan Cook is now. Don't you feel that's true? I would, well, yeah, it's, yes, they do. Sure. At least, at least Dan Cook the thinks they gone. do. The heat's gone, says oh, Larry Bubbles Brown. Okay. All right. Um, virgin to no five. What was that? Virgin to no virgin. five. Virgin. I think you're using that word incorrectly. Uh, well, the thing about it is, and I'm surprised because he's only done 45 pilots. <laughs> As a podcaster, this is what Mark should have said, joining us at the table. And then I did. Oh, right. Oh, you did? Yeah, you've all been introduced. Uh, That's how good I am. That reminds me of something. Oh, thank you. The Jerry Lewis roast, Alan King read the bio, and he said, this is the official bio of Martin and Lewis. Martin and Lewis would entertain audiences for 12 years. Uh, you know, spraying, spraying seltzer water on each other, putting shaving cream on the piano, dropping dishes, cutting off ties, and after this successful run of 12 years, they split up due to artistic differences. <laughs> <laughs> Alan King said that? Yeah. Wow. And then he did a 40-minute lecture about sight gags. <laughs> he used to do that show Inside the Comedy Mine with, uh, remember that? That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's that? Oh, you're going to love to interview me as I'm devouring my tagliatello. It's perfect. Name it's perfect. She's a goddess. <laughs> you know, you were mentioning back in the green room the, the alt comedy scene. Yeah. And uh, is there for you a definitive time when, there, when it started and it began and it ended, or is it still going on? Well, there was a comedy boom, and uh, the boom ended like in '91, I right. guess. Yeah. And I and uh, I wrote this article for National Lampoon called "The Hacks Comics Hack Comics Handbook." I don't know why I add that in there. 
You know what? And then I should sprinkle credits in my story. And then, so, like, a lot of people who did just regular jokes that weren't, like, uh, Larry the Cable. Well, Larry the Cable guy, maybe he wasn't big then. But So we got squeezed out of the regular club. So we had to form this group. Um, we had to form this new movement because there was no choice. You know? This is so, a well-fed podcast. <laughs> Larry, do you want something? Ah, I'm trying to lose the weight. He wants to get back, etc. <laughs> These doctors have this crazy idea they're going to keep me alive. <laughs> Where do you think that term alt comedy? Well, any category, any categorization, categorization, ultimately is makes no sense because I never defined it as like someone's talking about auditions. It was just it was an alternative to what was happening then. Yes. Now. And, and from my from my perspective of it, because I was booking clubs during the boom, I was running a club during the boom, and for me the alt scene was really, people started to actually get more, I guess more real in terms of talking about, it went from being really jokes to sort of, I don't want to say stories, it weren't even really stories, it was more just sort of, you felt like you were getting more of the comedian, even though it was still an act. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird because, it's like, I love Brian Regan, so the fact that Brian Regan does well in big theaters doesn't mean he's not, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't yes. mean, like, some people need to have that movement. But if you go back, I mean, look, Lenny Bruce was talking about himself. So it's, all, it's all cycles. True, true. And wh where do you think it's sort of netting out today? Because I think there's a whole new uh, sort of generation of comics beginning to come up and be sort of... Uh, Populating open mic scenes mm -hmm. that are beginning to spring up again. It's 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 almost like the late seventies here in San Francisco in areas all around the country now. I think it's a very exciting time right now. I mean, the thing there's no money in it, so that's good. <laughs> Let's take that out of the equation. Yes, but there are. I think there are better comics now than I rem ever remember. I mean, everything goes through things. People enjoy using the word retard a lot now. <laughs> so I was like, I, I, I actually posted on Twitter uh, a couple weeks ago. I said, uh, "Open tweet to uh, the politically correct. Can we please have our word retard back as long as we promise not to apply it to the learning deficient?" Yeah, that's what um, Mark Pitta was arguing for the word. <laughs> I never was part of the generation that used that word exactly. because we were all exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but. I started in 84. When did you start? The 81. Ah, 81. So long ago. So yeah. <laughs> no, I was out here. I came out here in 1978. Um, it's so easy to do the math. Los uh, Angeles? From uh, Queens hmm. to uh, become a... I wanted to be a musician back then. Okay. I just happened to stumble into comedy. Your first set was where? Um, at a place called Seymour Hams. It was a... <laughs> I wish that was a joke. It was a, it was a dinner theater restaurant in Lomita, California. One of my first jokes was... Uh, they had Italian food. The chef here at Seymour Hams, Chef Boyardee, <laughs> has revealed to me the secret ingredient in his tomato sauce. <laughs> Ketchup. <laughs> Drive safely. Killed. Killed. Still doing that today. 
But I didn't know a lot of stand-up from my start, so that was, I think, good in a way. Your act, in a, in a lot of ways, is, is almost sort of, I'm going to say, either meta-stand-up or anti-stand-up in that you... Have no punchlines. Well, no, okay. you, I mean, you talk about the structure of the jokes of the set as you're doing them. And, you know, yeah. sort of take take all of the, the the mystery out of comedy, if you will. Yeah, I used to think that I did that all the time, but I realized that I made a, a kind of an emotional breakthrough. I realized that mostly what I was doing was I was saying, the audience is terrible or I'm terrible. That's where I used to go all the time. You people are terrible, I'm also bad. I don't enjoy you, you're not enjoying me. <laughs> now I actually try to explore what's going on in my head. Mm-hmm. But which is fun, except I was in Vegas, and you can't do that in Vegas for some reason. No, they have a very definitive idea. Vegas of is not a big supposed to be. Uh, uh, contrary to what Larry Bubbles Brown was saying, <laughs> Vegas is not the best comedy town. <laughs> Bubbles loves Vegas. Are you kidding? Well, I love Vegas for the um, gambling. I love it for the three foot tall margaritas. Yeah, they have those things. I never saw anything like it. It was like a get a uh, won't fit in your carry on. No, it's it's like a, there's a foot. chain that goes around your neck. I've seen people walk around they the streets right with the three foot hookers. <laughs> Midget mania on the strip. Oh yeah, bro, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. <laughs> That's future, future Succotash guest Larry Bubbles Brown here in the background. Uh, future? He's well, he, he's on fire now. Why would you want to... I'm going to cut, I'm gonna cut You want to have a... De- you are now. You don't want a denouement. He... See, now, that's an example. He, he could use any word. Yes. So he can't make a rule. Uh, he can use any word. Uh, it tells like that, too. Any word that they say is funny. Any subject... Larry Bubbles Brown was talking about it. He's can't stop, stop being funny. You know what it is? Positive <laughs> attitude. <laughs> the, the nature of the things you say in your act about comedy yeah. uh, easily sort of leads one to believe that you are a, an observer of the form. I'm a big fan of the form. <laughs> um, so, so what sort of the major changes that you've seen since the boom, let's say the boom ended in 91, roughly. I mean, it sort of tapered off, but let's say it ended. What, what's been sort of the major changes since Well, that? when I started, we all wore tux. It was just what we did. <laughs> we did the Jerry Lewis thing. We didn't put our pants on until... <laughs> I used to do this show about Jerry Lewis. He won't put his pants on because he's one of that generation. Because he doesn't want to crease the pants. Yes. But he hasn't changed his act in 45 years. <laughs> Jerry, you look great, but you got new material? I'm going to shove a pickle up my nose. What do I need? <laughs> what do you want from me? Uh, I think, and I hate to be positive about it, especially with Larry Larry in the vicinity. <laughs> but I do think, like, when I started, there were much more defined divisions in stand-up. The worst thing in the world for stand-up comedy was that comedy boom, which a lot of kids today don't even remember there was a boom. But I have my own theories for the, the reason that boom went away, but you probably the young ones well. who got paid for this, their eyes pop out. <laughs> what? What? Their head popped off and rolls into a dry creek bed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but it looks like it's a good time. I just got a text from a comedian. 
Hey, Mark, what is Andy's last name? Oh, my God. You've made it, my friend. <laughs> That's when they leave them wanting to know your last name. Boy. That's from his agent. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my favorite uh, uh, moment that, that summed up the comedy boom was I was working with the very funny Roger Rittenhouse. Sure. Hilarious. Hilarious. And we were on a Dave Tribble tour. Oh, Dave yeah. Tribble. And Dave Triple had done the was famous for having done an article on the Rolling Stone during the boom saying that all comics were interchangeable. Yes. So the best part was that I was on a tour with Roger Rittenhouse. He was headlining and uh, I was opening for him. It was just a two person tour. So I'm talking to Dave Triple from a phone booth and at the end Roger goes, uh, tell Dave I said hi. So I said, uh, Dave, Roger says hi. And Dave says Roger who? <laughs> He's talking to me about driving to Burley, Idaho on the tour that Roger and I are on. Roger who? So, I think now is an exciting... Now, do you miss those days of the boom when the booms stretched to outlying areas? Well, I never did well. I tried to go back to a couple of clubs I never played before, like Good Nights and North Carolina. I didn't do well. That's been around forever. Yeah. Most of my anecdotes are, I went to such and such a place, didn't do well. <laughs> I went to the dentist last week, didn't go well. Hey, I had a root canal a couple of weeks ago. I'm okay, but I still can't feel my career. Hello. Hello. That's a classic. Hello. <laughs> What, um, how has your own act sort of changed to sort of, I guess, I want to say keep pace, keep pace with the times. Like you said, things are not as, not sort of as delineated. Right. Where you were a prop act, you were an observational comedian, you were a monologist. Well, what you have to do now, and you know a joke's coming. You have to do now, not a good joke, but a joke is coming. You got to be up with the times. Like, I have four jokes about the vine. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> what is this, the vine? I have a gift, gift, gift. Send you a gift. More like a Frank Gifford I'll send you. What's wrong with you? Aren't you enlightenment? Aren't you? What's that? What? HBO. Oh, oh. My first wife was named JPEG. Lauren <laughs> Baird, ring a bell, Andy. I love that show. I love that show. I like to rearrange her pixels. Am I right? I like to lower. I, you'd like to lower her dern. Am I right? And I'm gonna give you something, and I guarantee you will use this the rest of your life. You have a line like that. I like to lower her dern. Whoa! You can't. Oh, I wish this was on video. You can't see it at home. Oh, I got that from Charles Nelson it. Riley. Hysterical. Did you really get that? He did that as a take? He does that at, at, when you eat with him? Well, wait, when he yeah. passed away. Yeah. Yeah. He still leaves a good dinner guest. <laughs> he was on a show called uh, Dinner for Five, you know, with... Uh, yes, Fab with uh, Fabro, yeah. where they would talk about what meal they had and stuff. Well, he had Burt Reynolds, Charles Dirty, Dom DeLuise, and him, and they got on a topic that, and this is good for your podcast, Sure. The topic comics who do impressions have gotten on, which is... People know James Cagney, Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne, but to do somebody now, there's nobody distinct 
to do an impression of Very cute. And Charles calls him Riley. He goes, Ribbit, are you ready? Because this is the final line. He just calls it the final line. He goes, because none of those people ever did the stage. <laughs> that is the greatest take. What I have done is I've rolled a cloth napkin up, and when you do your final line, let it loose, and it's like a curtain falling. That was for you, Mark. Mark Bitter is famous for... He comes over with a podcast and he says, this will be great for your podcast. That's the way he introduces it. Oh, let me tell you something. Is your podcast waning a little bit? <laughs> this will be great. I said, you will use this the rest of your life. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But I had to I had to make it different so I, you could be the bad guy. All of a sudden. <laughs> I heard Charles Nelson Riley. He was so funny. He was on a talk show. He was still alive again. Because so the guy, he decays very funny in the ground. No, but he said that, he said that in New York... City, the water is supposed to be good, you know. So, like, somewhere right now, there's a guy in Manhattan. Come down for dinner. I'm working. I'll be here. You know, he's pulling his bathtub with <laughs> Honey, come down for dinner. I'm can at work. <laughs> he said that he went to an audition once, and the, the, the uh, casting director said, We don't hire faggots. This is back in the you know, the day when that was like. And Charles Nelson went, Well, since then, I've done 200 talk shows, 300 game shows, 17 movies. Who do I have to blow to get off television? <laughs> it's so funny. We will get back to Andy Kindler and friends, but first, it's TweetSack time. Obviously, we got clips in the old TweetSack this week, which we've already played, and that's kind of nice. What else do we have in here? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got a DVD in the actual mail this week from Jabs down under at the D-Head Factor. He is in the process of sending me an Australian care package, but it's arriving in pieces. And the first one was a movie called The Castle. Jab says this is the quintessential Aussie film. Let me see. Uh, it stars Michael Caton, Antenny, Stephen Curry, Sophie Lee. I, I, I don't know any, who any of these actors are, but there are a few review snippets on the case, the DVD case. You won't stop laughing, says Los Angeles Daily News. Uproarious. Jeffrey Lyons, a triumph, USA Today. Well, all right, that sounds pretty interesting. Cool. Thank you, Jabs. I look forward to watching this. I will report back, I'll tell you what I thought, and seeing what other treats may be on, uh, on their way to me as well. That should be even uh, more delicious or interesting or something. But uh, looking forward to the movie. Thanks, Jabs. Christine Blackburn at the Storyworthy Podcast pinged me on Twitter last week, wanting to know why all of our Sugatash tweets were posting twice every time they went up. Well, you know what? It turns out there was a little hitch in the giddy up over on Facebook. I had a setting in there that I had forgotten about, and they, they had changed their settings around. I had trouble finding it, uh, but I've turned that off. So now you're now you're just getting one at a time. So hope that's okay for you, Christine. At, at REVT23, who's also known as Tyson Saner, sent me a very lovely direct message just today that said, I absolutely love the show. I am sorry to say I have a lot of catching up to do, but I look forward to the journey. Wow, that is so nice. I'm so glad you're enjoying Succotash Tyson, and don't forget to pass it around to your friends. Here, as we've been doing the last few weeks, is a list of the folks who have mentioned Succotash kindly in their tweets this week. Sarah Crisman, The Angry Ginger, Rex Parker, Benny Show, Scud Hunter 76, Nug 13, Inverse Delirium, Royal and Doodle, Colin Mockery, Lionel Maurice, Dribble Boot, Noobs Radio, Combat Radio, 76th Street Network, Sal Kalani, Kelly Carlin, Into Your Head Pod, Jagged Podcasts, Jagwall, 
Anti-Semantic Show, Soda Pop Talk, Murphy's Mercs, Holes in Seattle, Mr. Producer 2, WFO Dicks, and Salty Language. And now, here's a list of everyone who clicked the donate button up on SuckatashShow.com this past week and threw a few bucks our way to help us out in defraying costs. Thanks, everyone. All right, let's jump back into the conversation with Andy Kindler and his friends. Lois Bromfeld, remember Bromfield or Bromfeld? You tell me the funniest story. She used to, she married this guy. She was, um, she went out with this guy named Steve Moore. And he was a gay guy. I guess he, I think he passed away. But he was saying that he was on, on the road and he went, uh, and he, what he said was, he goes, anybody from the South tonight? And then someone yelled out, on your knees, faggot. So he says, anybody from the North? (laughs) (laughs) How great is that? (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. That region is... Region's been covered. I'm going to tell them at the other table. So when you hear the burst of laughter, that's why. Burst of laughter. That was the name of your first podcast, right? <laughs> that was his improv group. <laughs> Larry and I, we were in mixed nuts for a while. That was that before jelly beans or well, after? Well, he was Cashew. <laughs> I was Pilbert. And Mark Pitt was Walter. We did a little twist at the end there. Walter. People thought it'd be walnut, and we switched it around. Brilliant. Yes, and I don't observe any of the rules of improv comedy. Do you, have you ever done improv? Or you no, I did. I have done it, and I'm always bad at it. Like, I always bail. I was in a comedy duo, and um, I would bail on every bit that we would do. I'd leave my partner out there. Hang, hang him out to dry. I said, I can't go further with this bit. And we sold our app to the Scar Brothers. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. The Funny Boys. Oh. I want to say that whoever recommended the Tagliatelli, wasn't he the third baseman? Who can't even deliver the, the bad jokes now. Towards the end, they didn't care. They didn't care. Tagliatelli's in. I still haven't got recovered. Right? Lois Bromfield. Lois Bromfield. <laughs> Is that great? The joke travels. The joke travels. Like the Brom Murfield. <laughs> Anybody from the north? Laura <laughs> Herder. What is what is traveling to do comedy like now? You said you've gone, you've gone to places where, like Good Nights, where you didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the complaints I hear from you know the guys that have been around for a while, you know is that the people that book these clubs have never heard of them at this point. You know, they're calling up places they used to work, Oh, and now they're reaching 23-year-old managers who have no idea who they are. Yeah, that happens a lot. But, you know, I think it's time for someone like me to pack it up. No, <laughs> pack it up. I mean, what am I? I mean, I'm still wearing uh, chinos. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, the only thing, I don't know. I mean, it just depends. I mean, I have, like, clubs that I go back to that I love, like Acme in Minneapolis and... The one thing that's better about today than was better about in the 90s was that uh, people can go online and they could at least see who the act was. I used to do a joke about how only comedy clubs don't be like, 
they don't they don't promote the comic. It'd be like saying, "Come to the movie theater." You like movies? <laughs> you know what they want. You like? Come on, it's a movie. And the same people like you know Carrot Top and Larry the Cable Guy are going to be in the same room. Right. But now these people can click on something. Go to YouTube. Go to a thing. Yeah, but I mean, there's certain clubs that I just don't do well in. Uh, I guess so that's that's actually how I promote my. That's my first thing when I started the conversation with a new booker. You have Some a favorite club. club. What's that? You have a favorite club. Oh, I do like um, this club now in Toronto hmm. called the Comedy Bar. Okay. It's really great. Bob Rubin's thinking about going there. We'll get Larry, Larry Bubbles Brown up there. If we can clean up our arrest records to get into Canada. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He said he had trouble going into other countries. <laughs> they don't smile lightly on felon. Well, here comes Bob Rubin. Bob, is it true that you have trouble getting into Canada? You said that you, you would have trouble getting into Canada. Oh, yeah, man. I did. I had a lot of yes, yeah, Bob, Bob Rubin, Rubin joining the is joining the podcast. Yeah, I flew, yeah. I flew into Canada. And, and uh, like I've done a million times before. Right. And, and then the next thing I know, this woman is going through my uh, uh, passport. She's pulling out different colored markers. Oh, my God. It's like a little, chick play, uh, a little kid playing with a box of crayons. Right? <laughs> and she's marking up, she's marking up the... Uh, Passport. And then she hands it to me. She goes, "Good luck." <laughs> so I'm moving up, you know, to go where to pick up the luggage. Good luck is her tagline. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going. Well, I made it through. Like, good luck with the rest of your life. <laughs> then I go to go to the escalator. We go down to get your luggage, and a dude puts his hand on my shoulder. He puts me in the back room, and, and the funny thing is, everybody in the room was. Asian or black Asian, and then, and then they nabbed one hillbilly while they were at it too. <laughs> so then the guy, so then the, the uh, uh, border patrol guy, Mr. Rubin, come here. And he goes up, and he's looking at my thing, and he goes up. Have you ever uh, been in trouble with the law? And I said. Uh, I said, no. I said, I said, no. I had a DUI in 2008, but I've paid my debt to society. <laughs> right. Like that. Yeah. So then, he goes, is that it? And I go, yeah. And he goes, 1992. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you never falsified information to a police officer. Oh, my God. Like, and I said to him, I go, are you serious? With, you know, just like holding back the effort. Are you? <laughs> like I had a list. Are you serious? Because it says right here, and I go, I don't remember that. You know, are you since 1992? And then I said to him, I go, I said, there's a problem. Do you are you kidding me? And he goes, you can't come back in this country until 2021. We're going to put you in the detention center, and we're going to send you home tomorrow. Oh my God! Unless you've got three hundred dollars for a blah 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 paper. And that was what was very suspicious when he called it a blah 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 paper. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a technical term, officer? Yeah, enough with the you know the international legal jargon. Yeah. Man. Right. Um, so uh, my girlfriend's waiting out where you know she'd normally meet me, and I call her on the phone. And I go, "Hey, uh, I need three hundred. I don't know money. I'm." And she goes, "And, and uh, I go, I need three hundred dollars, man. I'm in uh, uh, 
uh, immigration. They're not going to let me into the country. They're going to send me back tomorrow. Which he thought I was joking. Ha ha, funny comic guy. <laughs> and then um, the guy goes, go sit down. Now turns into a game show, you know? <laughs> and he disappears. And then he comes back. He's like, he's trying to put me in a new car. Then he comes back and he goes, uh, come here. And he goes, I can one time, just just one time. You can get the blah blah paper for two hundred dollars. <laughs> wow! Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Yeah, was he's an officer? I don't have any money at all. And he goes, "Go sit down." Right? Uh, why? How come your girlfriend didn't come rescue you? She didn't have any money either. She, I was just going into town to work all these yuck cats. Oh. Make money, right? And neither one of us had any, uh, you know, extra cash in there. Yeah. And she wasn't. It was, you know, she was waiting for her payday. So then, um, he goes, "All right, go sit down." Jesus, God, is that? It's like getting behind the wheel of a new car. Let me go talk to my manager and see what I can do. Yeah. So then he comes back and he goes, all right, one time only. $100. One, one, no, one time only. I'm going to let you in. I'm going to give you the blah, blah paper. He goes, but you've got to be out of here July 30th. And I had gigs going into August. But then all, and then he said, all prior to all, he goes, what are you doing in the country? I just visited my girlfriend. And he goes, uh, what do you do for a living? You know, or since I'm a year he's, 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 he's falsifying evidence now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the funny thing is, he goes, you're an entertainer. So at the end of it all, at the end of the game show part of the immigration, he goes, I'll let you in this one time. You've got to be out midnight, July 30. And he goes, I'm not kidding. <laughs> and then he looks at me like all Andy Griffith, like, and he goes, come here, man. Now, I'm not going to go on a website or look in the paper oh and my see God. that you're playing any of the clubs in town like uh, Yuck Yucks or anything. Am I? Because, you know, you'd need a work permit for that. Uh, and I just looked at the guy and I said, <laughs> like that, man. And then, you know, another half hour later, the paperwork, he, let, he lets me in. Well, then it comes around July 30th time, and I... I uh, my girlfriend's mom knew a little bit, had to deal with an immigration lawyer one time. Some sort of thing about moving from California back to Canada. She was a Canadian, said she had California residency. Right. Well, apparently, because I said, I better check just for the heck of it. Because I'm thinking, what if I don't leave on the phone? Right. So then if I All of a sudden, I, Bob uh, snapped to uh, societal attention. Yes. What if I'm not going to go back then? <laughs> right, man, yeah. Did she say what year? What if I'm not going to play the game on the other end of this freaking <laughs> immigration trip. And um, sure enough, I had to you know, cancel these games. I just gave reason. And I had to get out of the country. Because they said they will, know, they will know when you leave the country. And, if, and the immigration was telling me, if you ever want to get back here, go to America, no problem. They love you there, right? And like, yeah, they love me there. But when you come back to Canada, they'll know that you stayed past the 30th and you're supposed to be out of the country. And they will make a big deal out of it just for the hell of it. So, yes, so what, for no reason at all, I had problems. Wow. And that's why, and I, and I, you know, I haven't been able to get back there. Because I got to go, supposedly, and get a... Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, actually... But, uh, L.A. one. Ah. Okay. California one. Oh, okay. Well, I'm still dealing with the Canadian... Uh, right. Blah, blah, blah. And then you get the California blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Are you saying you can't be in California? No, I shouldn't even be here. <laughs> Where are you allowed? I can be in certain parts of the southwest, but I had to be hovering 10 feet above the ground. Just kind of, you know, that costs money. Man. They want and make money to do that, and then, but you're not allowed to be anywhere. So. Wow. Well, 
recording. Yes, he is recording. That's a, you want to sign a release? <laughs> I'll, I'll block, well, blank know. out your name. I don't know if you're allowed to sign a what well, is pretty as Bob Blah Blah. Well, you know, it, what's uh, uh, interesting, and by the way, whenever you preface something with it, you know what's interesting. You know, <laughs> it's not interesting. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, no, there's very strange there's very strange laws up there because you really don't need necessarily a work permit to work comedy clubs. But there's a weird law about working in restaurants and bars with alcohol. So there's very strange laws up there. And sometimes to get something done, you have to get a labor opinion, a Bureau of Labor opinion. I just want people to know that if you are going to use this podcast as a sleep aid, replay that part again. I'm about to launch into my how you follow your Canadian tax papers. <laughs> I used to be, before the whole 9, uh, 9-11 thing, I used to be able to get into Canada with a driver's license and literally a credit card. They go, we need, we need a driver's license and a credit card. What? I'm not purchasing anything in particular, but that's what you That wasn't that long ago either. Yeah. yeah. One time, I saw a movie based on the uh, Bureau of Labor Opinion, and it was Ed Norton. Right. He played He played a neo-Nazi guy who always gave extreme labor pains. Yeah. V, v, v don't like that you... Why would he have a German accent? I don't know. No, but he, yeah, he was trying to get a Nazi, uh, like a neo-Nazi fascist march going in the... Uh, yeah. Kent, which was fine. They said, sure, you can do that, but you need are you selling t-shirts? <laughs> right. And that was the whole stuff in there, but... I, it was like a four and a half hour movie, too, by the way. Well, because there's a lot to know. <laughs> I always check off, yes, I have been on a farm with livestock. <laughs> yes, I do have over $10,000 in, in currency. Just once, it'd be great to get off the plane with a goat. You know? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't kidding. I do. I have a, uh, I, I, I thought my pigeon would want to go see Toronto. Oh, um, oh, I'm the bad guy now? Because I'm bringing in, I'm bringing in pests. <laughs> Do I have to declare my pests? You know, years ago, that thing I did film on, you're not allowed to travel, you're not allowed to have $10,000, but it never said anything about ever. (laughs) (laughs) When don't, my question is, when don't I travel with $10,000 in currency? (laughs) Well, I think we're too, we're too, uh, Worst podcast ever. I think we did. This is great. One minute. (laughs) One minute. Uh, Mark, we we're one interjector shy now. (laughs) Oh, Mark, put us back. I try to balance my time at this table and my time at that table to make everybody happy. Thank you. We're happy. Very happy. Well, I could end it with one of these things, like kids. You know, get out there. (laughs) Do do it. You know, follow your dream. Unless your dream is unrealistic. <laughs> Larry, that reminds me of the joke I wrote for you. Do you still do it? My doctor told me to follow my dream, so I banged my neighbor's wife. <laughs> oh, I forgot. That's a good one. <laughs> and, of course, um, Larry will put that in his uh, joke file under banging neighbor's wife. <laughs> one of the thicker folders in He the has file. one. I went over to the bar lawnmower. He had no problem last week when I wanted to bang his wife. <laughs> Are they laughing at us now? 
I'm not sure. I think it's just, it's like a laugh track at this point. Anybody from the north? Looks <laughs> <laughs> like we'll be hearing these vixens over the town of Fias Motel. More legs there. More legs there than a drunken millipede. <laughs> I'd like to mount her Temel Pius. <laughs> Am I right? Am I wrong? Is it right, ladies? <laughs> I like to mount her Wilson. Is Hood. I'd mount. like to impeach her Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> I'd like to I like to Elron her Hubbard. <laughs> You know, you anybody oh, I, like to, I like to smoke her bandit. <laughs> and <the> two. <laughs> well, how do we sum it up? Well, I was going to ask you about sort of to, to turn your your uh, put my thinking cap on your observational eye on on the state of podcasts today because I know you've guessed it on a number of them. I have my own podcast. It's called. 24-7-365. You're on it right now. I leave my recorder on all the time. You hear me driving to the bank. You hear me. And I just released my first season, Fall. Never gets a laugh. Even Larry Bubbles rather than Larry He records it through his Google glasses. <laughs> Would it be wrong to tell you that when I drive you back to the airport, that'll be Anakin Report 2? I'm into it. You kidding me? Hey, 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 we're having more fun over here. I think eventually everybody will have a podcast. It seems like And then, um, and then we'll just say, we surrender. <laughs> Well, I want to thank Andy Kindler for putting uh, putting some time and energy into sitting with me and uh, trying to wade through all the cacophony of noise. Also, thanks to those other guys for jumping in. It was actually a really fun evening. And uh, I'd like to have Andy back on maybe when we're back in Studio P and uh, do a, a real face-to-face interview with him because uh, he's a very interesting guy. He's been around a long time on the comedy scene and does a, a, a somewhat different act and has a real perspective on what's going on in the world of comedy, both where it came from and where it seems to be going next. Our political watchdog, Will Durst, points this week's burst o durst at the Supreme Court in the recent marriage equality dust-up that they had over there. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about the Supreme Court hearing arguments on gay marriage. Well, at least listening to, being spoken at, in the approximate vicinity of arguments on gay marriage. You never really know who's hearing what. Pretty sure Scalia had a powdered wig filter installed a little while back, ensuring that nothing past the 18th century gets through. And if Antonin can't hear it, then Clarence Thomas don't believe it's real. The Supremes are expected to weigh in on the Defense of Marriage Act and the legality of California's Proposition 8 sometime in June. But, you know, it doesn't really matter how they rule. Gay marriage is here to stay. All across the country, polls have turned around faster than crap on cable, and television has a lot to do with it. Turns out familiarity also breeds tolerance. Gay celebs such as Ellen DeGeneres and Anderson Cooper have encouraged kids to live their lives openly. 
And now that middle America has interacted with them, it hasn't taken long to realize that the gay community doesn't devote most of its waking hours trying to engorge the armies of sodomy while carrying pitchforks and wearing horns, like we were told. Most of the casual bigotry is dying off, literally. Now, sure, there will always be prejudice, stupidity, and fear, but it's easier to understand now that gay is just another adjective, like blonde or buff or stinky. When you say gay people, the emphasis is always on the people. And the only real difference between gay and straight is which way your head faces during sex. That's it. And the ability to assemble an incredible appetizer tray. It's only a matter of time before gay marriage is accepted. And then it'll become commonplace, until finally it's mandatory. I'm calling dibs on George Clooney for Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts. I'm Will Durst. I uh, just had fun with a, uh, a bit of a joke-off with Will Durst last night at the 142 Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley. It was part of our April's Fool's show. And as soon as I get the audio from that, um, I think maybe I'll play one of the bits I did because uh, it got a fairly good reaction. But at the end of the night, Durst came up and orchestrated sort of a joke-off with everybody who'd been on stage that night telling uh, really kind of old but still funny jokes. So it was good to see Will. I have once again threatened him that he better come and do a real show rather than just the Burst of Durst. And he promises, as usual, that he will. But anyway, if you want to get yourself a big old double handful of Durst and funny Durst at that, go to willdurst.com. And you can also read his tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. Well, that's the whole dang deal right there. Epi 55 in the can. Yeah, we're getting into the two-year mark here at Succotash. So thank you all for listening and for passing the Succotash along. And uh, your your letters, well, your emails, your tweets, your retweets, all that stuff is greatly appreciated. Thanks to my special guest, Andy Kindler, as well as Larry Brown, Bob Rubin, and Mark Pitta. And of course, as I said, thanks to you for sticking around. You know, if there's a favorite comedy podcast that you listen to but haven't heard us feature on the show yet, drop me a line at mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com. You can also call into our Succotash hotline and leave us a message. That number is area code 818-921-7212. And if you are a comedy podcaster and would like us to feature a clip from your show, you can send us a three to five minute MP3 clip to clips at SuccotashShow.com. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, thumbs up us on Stitcher, and retweet us at Succotash Show. I've enjoyed being here. I hope you've enjoyed being here as well. I have just one last request, and that is, would you please go out and pass the darn Succotash? You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com or at Suckatash Show on iTunes and even at Suckatash Show on your smartphone Stitcher app. Follow Suckatash on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Friend Suckatash on Facebook. 
Email us at marc at succotashshow.com or just pick up that phone and give Succotash a ring at 1-818-921-7212. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please... Pass the succotash. Check it out. Look at this succotash, would you? So y'all don't know what this is. Chef Emmanuel at home on Sunday. You know how I do it. I'm cooking a, uh, a skillet of homemade succotash. Look at that. Let's get down in there. See everything is fresh. Straight from the garden. Look at that. This is Chef Emmanuel's homemade sucker pack. It's made with uh, fresh corn off the cob, vine ripened tomatoes, fresh okra, and a bunch of other uh, secret ingredients. <laughs> Alright, this is Chef Emmanuel. This dish is ready and it's about time to eat. Now, if you look to our left, I have what I call butt-necked turkey legs. Look at that. Look at those turkey legs. They are off the bone. Look at that. Nice and tender. Chef Emmanuel's off the bone butt-necked turkey legs. Check it out. This is another Sunday soul food supper, baby. I'll see you soon.